when I was a kid, I wanted to be a dancer and entertainer when I grew up. And now I'm a fitness host and fitness professional, and I own my own wellness business. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Deja Riley. Deja Riley is a fit fireball of positive energy who lives to inspire and perspire. After a decade in the dance industry, dancing for artists such as Beyonce, Britney Spears, Katy Perry, Trey Songs, and Lady Gaga, she transitioned into fitness to feed her physical impulses and continue to lead a healthy lifestyle. She is now motivating others with her own workout method, Dance Out of the Box, which combines both shadow boxing and dance in a music-driven cardio workout that will certainly make you smile while you sweat. As a host on Pop Sugar and host of her own YouTube channel, she is on a mission to bring vibrant energy to people all over the world. Get a dose of deja vu as you explore her current projects, events, and creative content. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Deja. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so happy to have you. And we always like to start with something that's recently sparked our curiosity. For me, it's this series on Apple TV Plus called Little America, and it's an immigrant anthology series. So every episode is based on a true immigrant story. And it caught my eye because there was one about an Iranian immigrant, and I'm the son of Iranian immigrants. So it was super, super cool to see. And at the end of each episode, they'll show you a photo of the actual person who the story is based off, which is just so touching. Like you went on this emotional journey and then you actually see the, the real person who it's based off. And there are all kinds of different cool stories. There's a Nigerian immigrant who was obsessed with cowboy movies and culture. And he watched those films with his dad. And then he came to Oklahoma and had to like kind of fit in and find his role and he wanted to be a cowboy but he obviously doesn't look like the cowboys (laughs) he saw in the 60s American movies and there was obviously the one with the Iranian immigrant who he his dream is to you know get that house with the white picket fence and he the cheapest thing he can afford is this cursed property in Yonkers New York that has a huge rock and he has to try to it's his journey of trying to make that dream house for his family so there are all these cool touching stories and uh, it just it, it came out earlier this year and I just recently got around to it and it's been really touching and and cool and made me think a lot about what my parents went through a bit when they came here. And, you know, I grew up around a lot of immigrants, so it was really cool to see some of these stories portrayed in a really nuanced, interesting way. I love that. I'm going to have to check that out. I've actually yeah. been watching a little bit too much TV during quarantine, <laughs> so I'm actually going to switch to something else that like piqued my curiosity. Um, yeah. It's been reading. I've been reading mm. a lot during this time. And the book that I'm currently reading um, is called Make Change by Sean King. Uh, He's an American writer, civil rights activist. Uh, He co-founded Grassroots Law, um, which you can check out on Instagram. You can also like check out their website. He also is a co-founder of the Real Justice Pack. Um, And he's just a powerful leader that I've been following for quite some time on Instagram. I also listen to his podcast called The Breakdown. And uh, I've been looking and like searching ever since like, you know, this, the racial injustice issues have come to the forefront. 
in our world of like, how can I personally make change? Um, I don't know if you've gotten to see or anybody listening has gotten to see the self uh, cover story uh, for September was uh, black people in fitness, what it means to be black in fitness and health and wellness. Uh, I was actually featured in the article and was on the cover and it was a great honor to be standing and representing black people in fitness. But for me, what has truly piqued my curiosity is how I can be a part of the change and how I can be the change that I wanna see. And so I've been doing a lot of things with the Fit For Us organization, which was the featured organization in the Self Magazine article, and also reading different books and watching a ton of different educational like street, uh, shows on streaming um, networks and like trying to find different movies and things of that nature. And just like, yeah, just trying to find my way and make my mark uh, in in today's world. And so, yeah, that has been something that I've been extra curious about and researching a ton on. So, yeah, I just I just read the article in Self, and that was awesome to see, as well as the letter that was published by Fit for Us. And I encourage everyone to check it out because. As somebody, we're both based in LA and there are a ton of boutique fitness studios around us. And I think there will be maybe some things that people kind of expected to see in that letter. Like, yeah, we can have, you know, more diversity among the staff. Because if you go to a lot of the fitness studios in LA, there is a there is a type or a common type of person that's in those positions. And I think what people will also find is maybe some things that were overlooked. Definitely some of the microaggressions, like you specifically, I remember mentioned comments on your hair, which I think a lot of people you know, that's not the first thing they might think about, but it's it's a microaggression. And so is, you know, songs that have explicit lyrics that can be very offensive. So I think, you know, that that's something that as you're in a workout, as somebody's in a workout, it could be overlooked and it clearly has been. And so I'd love, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about Fit For Us and how this coalition of awesome professionals got together and the change you guys are driving collectively. Yeah, definitely. So I actually um, am head of community outreach for Fit For Us. Um, we've been trying to advocate and empower and serve people within our communities. So this is a this is a coalition of fitness professionals, but also we have attorneys. We have people that are uh, into like branding and digital marketing and things like that within our group. Um, it is currently expanding, so I encourage everybody to go to the fitforus.org um, website and see how, the, how you can help, how you can be a part of the change. Um, we have been creating some things and putting them into the works. I actually have a meeting tomorrow morning, and I can't announce exactly what's happening, but the best way for you to follow us is on Instagram. You just follow Fit For Us, um, going to fitforus.org and finding out how you can also support and be a part of the change. Yeah, awesome. And I just want to say for people who are checking it out, it's fit and then the number four us.org. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So check it out there. And as I was reading your intro, I got super excited because you, I mean, I knew some of these names, but just to see all the names that you danced alongside is super awesome. And I, I'm just curious, like as a fan of so many of these artists, what did you learn about fitness and performance from being around some of the best performers in the world? Well, I learned quite a bit from a lot of these performers. I, I learned, you know, a strong work ethic, putting in the time, the, the effort, and the energy to be the best possible version of yourself. 
I also learned that it is very, very important to take care of your body. We only get one vessel for our entire life. And so it's important the things that we're putting into our body, the way that we're treating our body, are we stretching before and after we have a performance or we do a workout or whatever the case may be. Um, and then I think the biggest thing that the dance industry taught me and coming from that world was to take care of my mental health. I know a lot of the times we would be subject to a lot of rejection within our industry and we get a lot of no's and a lot of you're not the right fit before we ever get a yes and told that we are perfect for the position. And so from coming from an industry where I always felt replaceable, I wanted to remind myself that I was irreplaceable, that I was enough, that I was worthy, that I was the only me. And that actually is my superpower. And I think that what I learned from some of the greats that I worked with is that if you truly trust that superpower, you shine no matter what. It doesn't matter what industry you are in, no matter where you go, there's going to be a light that shines from you and resonates with the rest of the world when you're walking in your gifts. So yeah, that's probably the greatest takeaway that I took. Yeah. And having been a student in your classes at Box Union back in the day, that totally resonated with me because I had been going to a bunch of different boutique studios and definitely had a had you know good experiences overall but when when you come across an instructor who really inspires you there's just there's just something i think when you're in that class that clicks for you and that you want to keep going back and i personally like i'm motivated by someone who's positive i don't really care to pay like you know 20 30 plus dollars for an hour for someone to yell at me like that's just yeah. not my vibe um and so i i just got curious like fitness is such a broad space and every teacher has their own style how do you think you found your style and figured out like the workouts that you wanted to craft? Yeah, well, I kind of formatted like my love for fitness and the structure and format that I follow based around feeling good. I knew that I also was attracted to somebody who was going to motivate me, uh, someone who was going to encourage me, someone who was going to make me feel good in my own skin. And so my whole method is feel good fitness. One of the first things that I always tell my clients or even my friends or anybody who's learning from me is like, throw away the scale. Like, don't worry about judging yourself on a daily basis. It's about how you feel on the inside. And eventually, how you feel on the inside will show on the outside. Um, I pride myself on making health and wellness a three-part lifestyle. It's not something that you do for a moment. It's not something that you you know, do for a period of time to get ready for a certain event. It's something that has to become this daily practice and it works mind, body, and soul together. So for me, even when I am teaching a 45 minute workout class or a 45 minute workout on a live platform, I'm thinking about all three of those things working together. How am I feeding someone's mind? How am I giving them something that will make their body better? And how am I digging deep into their soul so that they'll want to make this a lifestyle for themselves? So everything that I do is something that I love um, and hope that other people will love it when they get to encounter it as well. I think that uh, for me, the biggest thing was like, I love dance. I love boxing. I love high intensity workouts. I really love to sweat. And so those are the things that I gravitate to, but I don't shy away from the things that I don't necessarily love. I try everything. I think that the best way for you to find what suits you and works best for you is by trying everything. And then that way you can walk around and be like, you know what? I wasn't so hot on doing 
dodgeball or like I really yeah. didn't really like playing soccer that much, you know? But for me, I found boxing and I found dance because I was willing to try things. I was very open-minded in my search for what worked best for me. And now I know that those things are great and I'm constantly growing and learning from things that I like and I don't like. Yeah, and I think dancing and boxing is a, they're actually, they actually are th more related than I think people might initially realize. Like, yeah, you see like Muhammad Ali dance around a ring, but actually like the footwork, I remember just being around a bag and being like, oh, I feel like, I feel like I'm doing some kind of dance right now. Um, was that something you, you always had in the back of your mind? Like if I'm going to go into fitness, let me go into boxing or was it, was it something that came about a little later on and more organically? Yeah, it definitely came around later on and much, much more organically. <laughs> uh, it definitely wasn't something that I was like, oh yeah, dance, no brainer. Let's go straight into boxing. Yeah. <laughs> I had always grown up like watching boxing matches with my dad. So I loved like Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield. And I remember watching people like Layla Ali and being like, wow, she is fierce and she's a super strong woman and I admire her. But I never thought that boxing would be something that I ended up doing myself. I never saw myself becoming an amateur fighter, which I am now. Um, I never really saw myself even putting on a pair of gloves until I did come across this boutique boxing studio that was a startup at first. And I just gave it a shot. And when it felt like dancing to me and my body enjoyed it and naturally just wanted to grow and learn more, it was like learning a new style of dance, especially like you mentioned with the footwork. And I think with the punches, it felt like memorizing choreography, remembering different moves and how to move your body and turn your shoulders and turn your hips. And like all of the movements sort of, sort of flowed together the same way dance did. Um, so I think that over time, as I began to practice it, it was something that felt like it was home for me. And that's what dance has always been. I've, I've danced since I was three years old. And so that's something that like comes second nature to me, much like walking. It's like I hear music and I'm moving my body in some sort of way, whether I'm in the car or I'm at a friend's party or I'm just in the living room at my house. I'm like moving my body whenever I hear music. And so now like boxing feels that way for me. It's like you know, if I am just like standing somewhere and I'm bored, I'm probably shadow boxing or something like, you know, just trying to move my body. But I think, uh, yeah, boxing has this unique way of feeling like it is a dance. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the shadow boxing just when you have free time, because that's something that I found myself doing after taking your classes was I'd just be at work in the hallway, like walking back from the bathroom and then shadow boxing. And I'd be like, I I'm at work. I should probably <laughs> probably hold off for now. But yeah, it's when, when you when you gravitate toward um, toward an activity like that, it's it's infectious. And so I get what you mean. And the whole the whole feeling of like being good at one sport and then discovering something connected is a great feeling. And in general, I think boxing can help with all kinds of different sports. Like even I, I like to play tennis. And I think just from a footwork perspective, boxing has been super helpful in that and just rotating and things like that. What I'm curious about in your case is you were an elite dancer. Did you find that when you started going into boxing, you were pretty good right away? Because like, it, I mean, I, I can see someone who is an elite athlete will probably be better than someone who isn't already in shape. But I'm curious, like, you're an elite dancer. So do you want to go through the frustration of having to learn something new? Or was it something that came kind of naturally and like, 
you went from there. Does that make sense? It was a bit of a yeah. rambling question. No, no, no. It totally makes sense. To be honest with you, it did not come naturally immediately. It was it was actually very frustrating, like learning how to box and learning how to move my body in a different way. I think uh, being a dancer, I became a bit of a perfectionist. And so even when I would learn a new style, like I would go home and like practice the moves over and over that I learned in class or learned in rehearsal. And I'd come back the next day and I'd be like, I'm nailing it. Like, there's no way I'm messing up a step. Like, I'm, I'm going for it full force. And with boxing, it took a lot of practice. Like, I was shadow boxing seven days a week. Like, when I was not in the gym actually, like, hitting mitts or hitting the bag or learning how to hit the speed bag or the double end bag, I was at home literally practicing the punches, learning how to fully extend my arm, rotate and turn my knuckles down, learning how to rotate my body and move my feet around and doing different footwork and agility drills. Um, just like any athlete, I think that we learn very early on that practice is so important to the actual performance. Like, I think that, you know, how you practice or how you do one thing is how you do everything. And for me, like being an elite athlete and taking it so seriously as a dancer, I did the same with boxing, but it was frustrating because I wasn't immediately like able to pick it up. Like I didn't go home and overnight come back into the gym and be like, yeah, I'm a pro. Like anybody want to take me on, you know? And yeah. I wasn't sparring right away. I was like, you know, really, really learning the basics. And it was like, for me, kind of like, therapeutic like I I saw boxing as like my therapy my way to get things out my way to like kind of scale back and go back to you know the beginning the basics I hadn't done that in such a long time and I think for me the spiritual and the mental aspect of what I learned through boxing was so valuable that I was willing to go through the physical frustration that it took to get there I think that's really reassuring to hear that even at your athletic ability coming from dancing, it was still still baby steps to start, so to speak. So I think that's really reassuring for somebody who like I, I was very hesitant about even going and punching a bag that that just felt kind of aggressive for me. <laughs> but, but you do it and it feels very therapeutic. I completely agree. And now I think what's funny is you're seeing on a mainstream level, a lot of people gravitate toward dancing, I think, in large part because of TikTok. And I'm yeah. just curious, as somebody who was like doing it professionally at the highest level, what do you make of that right now? I think it's awesome. I love seeing people move. I mean, honestly, dance brings so much joy to me and to see people all over the world just like moving their bodies in new creative ways, regardless if they're like, you know, small, tiny, like more hand gestures and things like that for TikTok, or if people are actually like learning new different dance styles from YouTube and things like that, like. I think dancing has brought me so much joy that I love seeing other people embrace the gift. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, what's interesting now is like, so TikTok is a recorded thing and it, and you're talking about YouTube. These are all recorded things or streamed. And it makes me think like you come from a live background. So you were doing live performances, you were teaching classes live and now obviously streaming and recording workouts has become super prominent. And I'm wondering what's been different for you as an instructor when you're teaching a live class versus streaming which is like live in its own way um, but not in front of people in the same room as you or even a recorded class what are the differences as an instructor in your position well I don't think I'm alone in saying that I miss human connection just being able to like bump fists or like shake hands or give a high five to somebody who's taking my class is just 
like one of the greatest joys that I experience when I am teaching live and I'm actually in person with people. Um, but from my background in dance, I also, in addition to doing live performances and stage performances and things like that, I did a lot of on-camera work. So for me, this is something that also came a little bit more natural as opposed to some of my colleagues and friends who had never really done like any on-camera work. They're like in their room trying to do, you know, an IG live and they're like, what? Like, what is this? Like, how do you reach the people? How do you shoot your energy through the screen? And so I've actually mentored a lot of different friends and even some strangers that have just reached out to me, just trying to get an idea of what to do in this new space that they're creating, um, how to be most effective, I guess, live and things like that and in recordings and whatnot. And I say like, it's very conversational in the sense that like, you want to feel like you're talking directly to one person, just like you and I are sitting here talking right now. Like, it's like as if you are my only student and you're the client that I'm motivating in this moment and I'm talking to you straight through the screen. And though there may be hundreds of other people watching it, you want everyone to feel that personal one-on-one -on -one experience with you. So for me, um, before we actually got into quarantine, I had already started working for Pop Sugar, and I had this experience of doing it with maybe one or two, sometimes four or five people within a studio space, but we're on like a dry set. There's nobody else that's, you know, doing the workout with us. So whoever's behind me, I can't even see them doing the workout. And I'm already, I had already started to cultivate these relationships of like, I'm talking directly to that one person behind the screen. They're watching me on YouTube or on the active app um, or on active.popsugar.com. And like, I already kind of figured out what my like practice was gonna be, like how I was going to execute doing live uh, classes and workouts as opposed to being in person. Um, I don't know that I can say that I, I enjoy one over the other. Um, I like both of them and I'm looking forward to being able to teach in person again. However, I'm really enjoying getting to connect with a lot more people from all around the world and I think that's one of the advantages of being able to do something uh, on a live recording or in a live space where you're like, you know, teaching to a Zoom class or you're teaching to somebody on IG or you're doing a Facebook Live or whatever the case may be. Like that, there are advantages to that. But then also doing recordings, like I've been able to look back at them and like critique myself and make necessary changes. And like, you know, if I want to like shorten something or like, make something maybe a little bit longer or do something differently the next time I have those opportunities to do so. And then I've also learned a lot too during this time. So, yeah. so it's also another valuable tool that I can use. Yeah. And something I really liked about one of the workout classes I saw of yours is you have from the one I watched, there were a couple people behind you and one of them was doing modifications in real time. And one of them was doing the advanced version. And I think that's really great because I'm always the person who's like, I, my lower back can't handle that. Like, can you give me something else to do? Um, so that, that was a really efficient way to do it. And sometimes I see other workout instructors where it's just them, right? So they have to take the time to explain and it's a little less efficient. So I think for somebody who's, you know, willing to try to, or has want, been wanting to do an online workout and just hasn't gotten into it or is looking for a new one to try, really encourage them to try yours because you cover all the bases in a really good way, I think. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really try to push that fitness is not a one size fits all format. 
what would be for me may not be for you, who may not be for the next person. I think that, you know, all of us deserve to live healthy lifestyles. And so I never want to make anybody feel like they can't do my workouts. So it's always very important to me to provide certain modifications when needed and to encourage people to keep going, even if you, you know, have to skip out on one exercise, like take a quick water break, get back into it, you know. But I think that fitness should be encouraging for all. And I hope that in the future it is for more people. 100%. And have you found that, is your preparation still kind of the same, whether you're doing a live or a recorded session that you're still, you're, you're still approaching it with the same preparation you had before? Absolutely. I still write out my workout plans. I still plan out all my playlists. Um, I still, you know, promote before and after my workouts and things of that nature. Um, I would say that the, the process is pretty much the same as far as preparation. I would say um, the only difference for me is like not necessarily having that in-person connection. So like I do find other ways to connect with people. I'm doing like an, e I have an email list that goes out. Um, I reach out to people via DM and whatnot. And like, I'm heavy on the engagement with all of my social media platforms, always trying to respond to people because I know that that's my only way to connect with them since we can't be in person right now. And I think there are certain obvious things that when I think about an instructor planning a workout, like music comes to mind, like obviously you're putting thought into the music that's in there, but also just the movements. How do you put together and you're in charge of you know, all your videos on your YouTube channel, how do you figure out, are you working backwards from like, I want to target these muscle groups in this video? Or how do you figure out what movements you want in each video or each session? Yeah, so I listen a lot to my audience, I allow them to kind of dictate what they want and what they need, whether they're like, you know, wanting to do more ab toning, or they want more cardio, or whatever the case may be. I think for me, it's very, very important that my movement matches the music, because all of my workouts are essentially music driven. So I usually make my playlist first. And then I decide on the movement to go to the music. So like the tempo informs so much of the movement that I create. Um, and then I do like a lot of research, like I will look at different fitness instructors that I admire, see some of the workouts and exercises that they're doing, look at, look up like, you know, good modifications for certain moves or like what are the most effective workouts or exercises to target a certain muscle group. Um, yeah, I would say that like most of my preparation starts with like playlists and then goes straight into me doing research before I create the workout, but it's all inspired by the music. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that's, that's super helpful for someone as well. Like, I remember when I was training for the LA Marathon a couple of years ago, I was given the suggestion to like, train with a playlist that'll do the tempo of where you want to be when you're when you're running. And that was super helpful for me. And even in workout classes, you know, you want to, you know, the music is very crucial for me. Like I, I once did a boxing class where the instructor had a preference for like heavy metal and that's just not my kind of music. <laughs> um, so it was a little weird to box to. And I was like, Oh, I got to go back to Deja. I got to go back to this other person I had because that was the music that I got used to boxing to and that I enjoy boxing to. So yeah. I think that's, that's, that's definitely very important. <laughs> Funny enough. Uh, I actually recently did a boxing program where I was a cast member and we listened to mainly rock and roll and heavy metal. Yeah. And from taking my classes, you know, that's like not my style of music. Yeah. <laughs> I actually found that it like 
it was, it gave me like an extra source of energy when I would like punch to that kind of music. And like, I, I thought it was awesome because the super trainer, Joel Freeman, that was leading the workout, that was his favorite style of music. So seeing him move to the music and enjoy it so much was actually kind of like, it, it was a contagious feeling for me. Like mm. as soon as I saw him enjoying it and like finding like some fierceness in it, I would copy him doing like the different combos and things like that. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I see why that empowers you. Why that makes you feel good, you know? So it's kind of cool to see from a different perspective, but yeah, I agree with you. Like my preference just isn't like rock and roll and heavy metal, yeah. but that was one case where it kind of changed my perspective a little. Yeah, maybe I'll have to give it a second chance then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so if there's somebody listening to this who maybe, you know, at, since quarantine has begun, has struggled to get back into their routine, they were used to going to the gym every day and that's not an option anymore, or they were used to going to in-person studio classes and that hasn't been an option. What do you suggest for somebody who's trying to get back into a flow, get back into a routine? Yeah. So for me, I always suggest this, whether it were would be you in quarantine or once, you know, we're allowed to be back out in the world and, and connecting with one another. Find what makes you feel good. I know for me, that's dance, that's boxing, that's, you know, high intensity workouts. But for somebody else, it may be yoga. Um, it may be, you know, Pilates and things of that nature. So you just have to find first what makes you feel good. And then I always tell people in all of my workouts to start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. You may not have an athlete's body overnight. You may not be sitting in the body that you, you know, feel like is best for you, but you have to start from somewhere, you know, you have to make day one, like today, if you're, if you're going to get into it. So I always say like, you know, don't wait for tomorrow, make your day one today, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can and find what makes you feel good. That's awesome. And I think anybody listening can understand why you're such an awesome instructor. I'm curious though, just because I know in LA, it's really hard to get these instructor positions at these top studios. And I know there's an audition process. And as you get to the more elite studios, it's harder and harder to get a, a spot. And I'm wondering like, what was your prep like before you, I mean, you had done dance and you were elite at dance, but this was kind of a new space to you. How did you get so comfortable and so good in this space to the point where you could be teaching at the high level you are? Well, I had quite a few mentors. I think mentorship is so important. I think finding like-minded individuals um, that are doing something that you aspire to do or, you know, are maybe higher up in the field that you're looking to climb in um, and somehow, like, inspire you in the industry that you're entering into, it's so important to connect with those people. Um, I've, I've connected with people like Jennifer Jacobs from Peloton and Jeanette Jenkins um, I've, I've connected with people like Masi Arias and things like that. And these are all women that inspire me that are doing exactly what I'd like to be doing. So before I even entered into the wellness industry, I started to build those relationships. I think having those relationships and having the right people to ask the questions that you may have along the way too is so important. Um, I would also say that for me, like just not, not feeling defeated and not getting too down on yourself and judging yourself every step of the way. Like it's so hard to not compare yourself in this day and age to everybody that's, you know, around you because we have social media, we're constantly scrolling and seeing whatever what's happening in everybody else's lives, you know? So that, that 
fighting comparison is probably the most difficult part, but also trusting that you're in the right space at the right time right now is so important and honoring that, like honoring yourself and giving yourself grace during the time is, is very important. And that was part of like my process in getting into the fitness industry, knowing that, yeah, I'm, I'm brand new. I'm a rookie. Like I, I'm going to have to build myself up the same way I did in, my, in the dance industry. And for me, that was a long time coming from the age of three, all the way to 12. I was just studying dance, taking a ton of classes, doing recitals and things of that nature. I started competing at the age of 12. And then that was a whole nother chapter until I graduated from high school. And then I moved out here to become a professional dancer. So that's a pretty big chunk of your life from the ages of three to 19 of just studying and, you know, testing the waters and being mentored and educated by different professionals within the industry. And then it took that before I could ever even have a professional career. So for me, I was just being very, very patient with myself. And I'm very, very proud of what I've been able to accomplish in just like four going on five years now. Um, it's a short amount of time, honestly, when I look back at how long it took me to become a professional dancer. So yeah, those are just some of the things that I would say to people that are trying um, to bust into the fitness industry. And I, I also think that it's very important for them to know that there is no other you. There's no, uh, no person on this planet that's like you. So find your it thing, find what makes you special and then show them that like show the studio that you want to teach for the platform that you want to teach for what makes you special yeah and i think within what you just said i'm glad you brought up social media because it's it's very daunting when you look at people of all these followers and who are so established and i'm wondering how you how you've approached social media how you've utilized it as a resource and as an opportunity for connection like what you were saying because I think that's something that a lot of people who are new to the fitness space or looking to break in, that's something that's really on their minds is how do I set up a presence? Yeah, I use social media as, you know, a huge business tool for me. I'm very active on it. I engage with all of my followers, my viewers, my subscribers, but I also take huge breaks from social media as well. And a lot of people don't even know that I'm taking breaks because I, I do have an awesome team that helps me, my husband and uh, my dear friend Gabby, they are actively always helping me with Deja Riley Athletics. And so when I just need to like push social media away and take a break, which I'm actually on a break right now, uh, I just like hand it over to them. And if anything needs to be posted or like, you know, there's an urgent message that needs to be answered, they take that over. Um, but just for my own personal mental health and to just reset and recharge and it helps me with my creativity to just kind of take some space from it sometimes. I think in using it and being active on it, I think it's very important that you learn to uh, mute or unfollow the voices that you don't necessarily need to hear, the ones that are not necessarily encouraging you in a positive way. Um, and I am very adamant about doing so. I really think it's very, very important what you're following, what you're seeing on a daily basis, um, news, travel, so fast these days. And so oftentimes when you are scrolling on social media, you're seeing, you know, other people's ideas of what's going on, other people's opinions of what's going on. So I also make sure that I, you know, have apps like AP News and CNN and things like that, where I can have a trusted news source that I can dig into if I need news. Um, but yeah, I think it's very, very important to make sure that you are 
taking the necessary breaks and that you're being efficient when you actually are on social media and using it for a business tool rather than, you know, just some leisurely game, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And in my own personal life, I found a similar thing where I'll go phases where I delete the Instagram app and then I'll only download it like once a day, maybe like on a lunch break or something and just scroll for a few minutes and catch up if somebody messaged me. Yeah. And I find that like just in about five minutes, I'm able to catch up on anything that was important in the past day or two. And something that happened as a result is like Instagram will push your top friends, you know, the people you check in with the most to your the top stories or the top posts. And so when I would go on those 24, 48 hour breaks, I would very quickly see like my best friends real quick within two minutes and I'd be done. Like all the extra scrolling I did was people I didn't really care about or didn't really serve (laughs) me. And I've heard of even somebody, a friend of mine who made a separate account and just follows like 10 to 20 people who she finds super inspiring. And I feel like I want to get to a point where that's just my one feed. Like I don't want to create a separate account. I just want my own account to be people who who I, who I find inspirational and I feel, you know, good to engage with. So I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think everybody should consider finding their own version of that, whether it's getting off entirely for a bit and downloading news apps, which I think is great, whether it's, you know, deleting an app and just checking in once a day for a few minutes, whatever it is. I think there's a lot of value in that for sure. I agree. And, so, and I, might, I might try what your friend did and make that yeah. separate account and just have like 10 to 20 people that I'm following because I'm following thousands of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she, she just follows like 10 to 20 people or brands that she thinks are really awesome. And she doesn't use it to message anybody or, or anything like that. Nobody, she hasn't told her friends about the account. It's just an account she made for herself. And when she's feeling overwhelmed or needs a little inspiration, she'll just go onto that account for a moment and feel much better. Which I, think I like is that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, All about the things that make you feel good. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'm wondering, are there any other um, oh, actually, the, the one question now that we're still on social media that I do want to ask is how how do you figure out what content is right for each platform? So, for example, how do you decide like, oh, I should do this for IGTV. I should do this, I guess, now for Reels or I should do this for YouTube. How do you go about making those choices? For me, it's been a testing process, a lot of trial and error. I found that people really enjoy seeing my husband and I on Reels. So I do, I do like little videos with him a lot. Um, I was making like Instagram videos of those uh, because I, I don't have a TikTok anymore. Um, I just found it easier to like manage like three or four platforms as opposed to like tens of platforms. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm pretty restricted to just YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and what else? And Twitter. And I use Twitter. Um, but yeah, so I found that like sharing my like thoughts, if I just have any thoughts off the top of my head, I find that to be most appropriate for Twitter. Um, for YouTube, that's where I post all of my workouts. I've done a few like sort of talking head videos where people are getting to know me on my YouTube page just to see if like people want to hear me talk or want to hear that information. And I found that like in watching uh, the engagement levels, um, from a video where I'm just talking as opposed to a video where I'm working out, it's a drastic difference. So for me, I learned from that, that my audience on YouTube mainly wants to come there for my workout. So that's where usually I host all of my workouts on YouTube. Um, Instagram, I kind of use it more as a promotion tool. So if I have any events coming up, if uh, you know a new magazine article came out or things like that, I post that on my Instagram. 
And then I have two Instagrams. My second Instagram page is the Israeli Athletics, which is my business page. So when I do any challenges or things like that, you'll see like more of like the private groups will like congregate there. I also have like a private Facebook group for anybody that's joining any of my programs or challenges or doing workouts with me and things like that. Um, Facebook has become more of a place where I like catch up personally with family and friends. So I don't post a ton of my content on Facebook. It's just kind of a place where like I go there and then I can, can see what my aunts and my uncles and my cousins and like everybody is doing, uh, which is really awesome. But uh, for the most part, I would say I use my Instagram and my YouTube for business and then Twitter and, um, and Facebook are a little bit more personal for me. Got it. And before we get into the fun rapid fire questions, how do you, when you're done with your intense workout, how do you, Deja, go about recovery? Is there anything that you like to go back to? Yeah, I mean, typically I just like wipe off my sweat. I drink a lot of water. And for me, I think it's very, very important to do breath work. Um, I like to do breath work before and after I do my workout. Um, also, for a huge recovery tool for me is using my foam roller and using my massage guns because I find that my, my muscles tense up a lot quicker now that I'm older. Um, and and uh, taking care of my body is so important. My body is the tool that I use most for my business. So I think it's very important to actively be doing things to contribute to recovery, but I also think preparation as well. And those kind of go hand in hand for me. Like a lot, I do a lot of self-care at home. I'm constantly like taking baths, icing, um, using, like I said, my, my tools, like my massage gun and my, you know, tennis ball or like my foam roller and things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that I'm pretty chill. There's nothing that a lot of people will ask like, well, what do you eat after a workout? And what do you drink after a workout? And I'm like, it's different every day. Like I'm, I'm not, I am a creature of habit in a lot of ways, but as far as like my workouts, because there's so much structure within them, I kind of try to let myself be pretty free before and after. Um, but the one thing that I do hold on to is making sure that I do my breath work because breathing is so important. Awesome. That's wonderful. And now we'll just wind down with some fun rapid fire questions. The yeah. first of which is what's an app that you can't live without? My unplugged meditation app. Mm, yeah. And who would you like to play you in a movie about your life? Honestly, my little sister does a bit of acting and she looks just like me. So I would just say her. She, um, she's also an amazing makeup artist, but she, a, a lot of the times will get mistaken as twins and she is six years younger than me. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I would definitely have her play me if, if it were a movie role. Awesome. And if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Hmm. I would say the ability to make anyone feel good. Hmm. That's a great ability. <laughs> <laughs> Where's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Bali. Hmm. Awesome. What's a song that you like to jam to? Oh, I have a lot of songs that I like to jam to, but right now I've really been in Beyonce mode ever since Black is King. I've been listening to like all Beyonce on repeat. So I'm going to have to go with Black Parade. 
Okay, awesome. We have a Spotify playlist where we put our guest song reckon. So that'll be your contribution yes, to our playlist. I love it. Yes. And uh, we'll just close out with where people can find your work and follow you on social media. Yes. So everybody can find me on DejaRiley.com. My Instagram is at DejaRiley or at DejaRileyAthletics. Um, all of my workouts are on YouTube.com slash DejaRiley or YouTube.com slash TopSugarFitness. Perfect. And if you'd like to check out the pod, you can do that at HDYDPod. Thank you so much, Deja. This was great. Thank you for having me. I loved it.